Thanks for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City Podcast. Our mission is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. If you'd like to visit us in person, we are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway here in beautiful Johnson City, Tennessee. You can become a giving partner by visiting us at believerschurchjc.com. We love you, we are praying for you, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Sometimes we talk about the chaos and, and all of the noise around the holidays, and I can honestly say after Cora's birthday party yesterday, it's all good from here. Like I have nothing to worry about. Lots of kids, lots of caffeine, lots of sugar, but it was a great day. Today's her birthday. She's eight years old. So excited for her. Make sure that you, you speak to her. It would really make her, make her day if, if you said something to her. But more importantly, today is the first day of the Advent season. This is a time in which we anxiously anticipate the birth of Jesus. His birth marks the inauguration of the redemptive story that we all take part in as followers of Jesus. So this entire month, beginning today, as your minds and your hearts are going to go to so many other different things, some of which are very important, the prayer that I have for us today is that we will keep ourselves centralized every single day around what this means, because it's so important. This is just my favorite time of the year. I, I love this, this time of the year, especially with small kids. So today we also begin the first Sunday of our Advent series titled, Tis the Season. So it occurred to me recently, as I was thinking about this, kind of unrelated to, to the holiday season, that as believers, we go through spiritual seasons all of the time. In fact, right now, if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, you're in some kind of spiritual season. So I thought maybe this would provide a good opportunity to talk about some of those seasons, hopefully uh, to help you guys. We go through seasons of waiting, seasons of joy, seasons of persecution, seasons of suffering, of celebration, of temptation, of doubt, and many others. Again, right now, every single person that is in here right now, that is a follower of Jesus, is in some form of spiritual season. So what I wanted to begin with today, one of the ones that I consider to be the most critical, is a season of waiting. Would anybody in here right now be honest enough to admit just by a raise of your hand, and we don't need to know what's going on, because some of you are in very critical seasons of waiting, and for some of you it's more back burner kind of things that you're in a season of waiting about. So some of you are already starting to raise your hands. Anybody in here, you feel like you're in a season of waiting? You know, today is going to be good. I can already feel it. Seasons of waiting, they're a lot of fun, aren't they? They're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. Now, when you learn what, what you're taking in in a season of waiting, they're wonderful. But when you're going through the moment, especially your first few seasons as a believer, they're really, really, really hard. So as I pre prepared this message, I went back and I was thinking about some holiday themes around waiting that we often experience. For example, the waiting that you have whenever you're a child and you're waiting for mom and dad or your grandparents to tell you that you can open up your presents. It's not, not the worst waiting in the world. I can remember waiting to hear when we're going to put the Christmas tree up. And I can remember waiting specifically for Christmas Day. In fact, the Advent season is, by its own nature, a season of waiting. 
So we're going to be in the book of Psalms this morning, Psalm chapter 37. And this was actually something that I looked at back in the summer in August where it felt much, much nicer outside. But I thought, I'm going to put this in my back pocket until the winter because there's something here that I need to look at closer and I need to investigate. So Psalm chapter 37, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 11. So if you want to follow on the screen, you can. If you want to use your, uh, your Bible, your app, whatever it is that you want to use, that's perfectly fine. Psalm chapter 37, and we're going to look at the first 11 verses of this incredible psalm. And I'm going to tell you something already. Some of you today are going to be blessed. You are going to leave here, if you came here in a season of waiting, you are going to leave here today with some tools that you're going to be able to use. And that's the most important thing in the world to me. So Psalm chapter 37, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Don't get upset over evildoers. Don't be jealous of those who do wrong. Because they will fade fast. Like grass, they will wither. Like green vegetables. Trust the Lord and do good. Live in the land and farm faithfulness. That's one of my favorite parts of the farm faithfulness. I was actually, when I was circling the building in prayer this morning, farm faithfulness. Enjoy the Lord and he will give your heart what it asks. Commit to the way of the Lord. Trust him. He will act and will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like high noon. Be still before the Lord and wait for him. Don't get upset when someone else gets ahead, someone who invents evil schemes. Let go of anger and leave behind rage. Don't get upset. It will only lead to evil because evildoers will be eliminated. But those who hope in the Lord, they will possess the land. In just a little while, the wicked won't exist. If you go around looking their place at their place, they won't be there. But the weak will inherit the land, and they will enjoy an abundance, as some of your translations say, or a surplus of peace. It is believed that Psalm 37 is written when David is older. A common question asked with this psalm is, why do the wicked seem to prosper and the righteous suffer? How does that seem fair? This question's been asked a lot. Why do seemingly bad people in life often get ahead? The Hebrew people often watched watched idolaters seemingly flourish while they're suffering through slavery and hardship. In our current cultural moment, People often ask, why is it that dishonest or bad people seem to get ahead and the nice guys seem to finish last? But there is another story that I read into this psalm that parallels the former. And it's this right here. It is the story of waiting. There is a story of waiting that is available for us in this psalm. So again, I'm randomly reading this passage back in the summer. I know that there's going to be a moment that I'm going to be able to use it. And this is that moment today because I couldn't help but notice a contrast between two positions that I read in this psalm. And maybe you even recognize that it's this, waiting for God and desiring the immediate. Waiting for God, which is what we're told to do, 
and desiring the immediate. Some of you understand that you're supposed to be waiting on what God's plan is, but it's not quite coming fast enough. There are things that you want. There are things that you desire, and there may even be things that you feel that you need for the sake of your family, for the sake of your income. But for whatever reason, the things that you feel should be happening in this moment, you are actually having to wait for. With that, now get this one, because this is a lot of us today as you wait, potentially being jealous of those in the world, those in culture, who are able to experience the immediate. That's exactly what's going on in this psalm. It's a situation where you're waiting for this thing in your life, but you're seeing all of these other people pass you up, and that's really frustrating. That's something that we struggle with. So what I want to do today is share with you, within a season of waiting, why waiting is so valuable. Not the eventual outcome of the waiting, okay, but why the waiting is actually so valuable. So with these seasons, we're not just going to talk about them, we're going to look for a way to navigate through them in a spiritually healthy way. So why are seasons of waiting so valuable? First, waiting reveals the beauty of trusting, enjoying, and committing. Waiting when you're in this season, and you may not see it that way right now, but I promise you some of you, whenever you leave here today, you're going to be able to see waiting in a very different way. Waiting is revealing the beauty of trusting, enjoying, and committing even though it doesn't feel like it in the moment. What does our passage tell us in verses 3 through 5? First, trust the Lord and do good. Live in the land and farm faithfulness. Number two, enjoy the Lord in this season of waiting and He will give you what your heart is asking for. Number three, commit your way to the Lord. Trust Him. He will act. This is a promise. In your waiting, trust, enjoy, and commit. Well, Matt, you don't know how badly I need this job. You don't know how long I've been single. You don't know how long I'm waiting for this prayer to be answered. In your waiting, in this season, when it feels like things are not happening. We learn to trust, we learn to enjoy, and we learn to commit. In Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word for hope and waiting are actually the same word. So waiting is not only all over Scripture, it's the prescriptive norm of Scripture. Jesus' followers get used to seasons of waiting, meaning that if you follow Jesus long enough, and you know that you're in a season of waiting, the answer to that prayer or whatever it is that you need may come, but you are going back into a season of waiting very soon. Why is that? Why is that different than maybe some of the other seasons? Because God knows how much waiting grows us whenever we are faithful to Him. So in this waiting, we learn how to trust, we learn how to enjoy, we learn how to commit because it is the prescriptive norm and written almost on every single page of Scripture. 
Don't believe me? David waited 15 years to be king. Moses waited 40 years to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Sarah waited 25 years for her appointed child, Isaac. Rebecca waited 20 years to give birth to Jacob and Esau. Matt waited 40 years to find Believer's Church. Beth and Matt waited three years to be able to have Korah. Waiting is the prescriptive norm in Scripture. And it's not only the prescriptive norm, but it's something that we must learn to live into with everything that we are. When you learn to wait, you learn to be holy. When you learn to wait, you become consecrated, you become a contender, and you understand a prayer life in a way that you never understood it before. So waiting is absolutely critical. We, we actually do the opposite, which is what we're going to get to eventually. So waiting is a bit strange, and this is why it's strange. There are all of these things that are happening around you. Like, life doesn't stop moving just because you're waiting. Like, it keeps going. So you're in what I'm going to call an in-between. It's like you're stuck in this in-between. You're waiting on a phone call from a doctor. That's some of you in here right now. You're waiting on the job. You're waiting on a soulmate. Some of you are waiting desperately for that other person in your life. God, I'm being faithful. When is it going to happen? You're waiting on an opportunity. You're waiting on hearing from God for the go-ahead. You know what I'm waiting on right now? Revival in this church. Like I'm waiting like crazy. And we're just a few weeks ago, we have this service where everything bursts out. And it feels like in my heart, we've taken a step back. And it's like, God, I'm just going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep waiting because I understand that you are a God of faithfulness and promise. I'm going to, I'm going to trust. I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to commit. And I'm going to wait and see the work that you do. Learn to embrace the in-between. We hate the in-between. There are some of you in here right now, again, you're waiting for the job, you're waiting for the perfect person, you're waiting for the college admission, you're waiting for all these things. Learn how to embrace the in-between. The in-between will teach you more than almost anything in your life. If God would have given me my soulmate or my perfect person, whenever I first asked for it, I'd be divorced three times by now. If God would have given us Korah whenever we wanted Korah or other things when we wanted, we would, have, we would have been disastrous in that moment because we hadn't grown enough as a couple. God knows timing and he understands the in-between and he knows you better than you know you. So when you get out ahead, man, that's when things really start to mess up and things really start to get ugly. But look at this. Waiting produces the patience that regulates our emotions. Most people are an absolute emotional wreck. They start dating somebody. This is God's person for me. Doesn't matter that they don't go to church. Doesn't matter that they're sleeping together. Doesn't matter that they have very different views. We're just convinced because we've went ahead when God's saying, I'm back here. You're not waiting. You're in a position right now where you're trying to get way ahead. You took the wrong job. You weren't ready to pastor that church. You weren't ready to do that thing. I know what you desire and what you want, but the in-between is where you're supposed to be. So how do we develop a healthy emotional state as believers? We become patient in the moment, and we learn how to wait. You see, our scripture today really makes me think about the destruction of comparison. Comparison is an absolute killer. 
And if you have a social media account, I don't care what it is, I don't care what you're, you know, maybe you have them all, you're comparing all the time. It's like you're seeing what other people have, what other people are doing, and you're comparing all the time. You see, waiting has the ability, unfortunately, to bring out the worst in us because as we wait, we stand on the sidelines and view the progress of others. And you know what we do then? We start to get drunk on somebody else's story. We start to get drunk on somebody else's season. We're paying attention to everything that God is doing in their lives instead of living into the story He gave you and the season He gave you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your season, your story, your moment. But you know what we do? She's thinner. He sold more than me. Her church is growing faster. Oh, and this kills pastors. Mike didn't deserve the promotion. Why does Susan always seem to land on her feet? How did they afford that? Is that not the tackiest question in history? But almost all of us ask it. How did they afford that? What does she do? Tackiest question in history. Why are their kids so well behaved? I want to know that one. (laughs) My my son's running around this church somewhere. You'll find him. He's got a sun-kissed mustache right now. Why, why are their kids so well-behaved? How about this one? Why is she able to have kids and I can't? We see all these things on social media. Oh, you get angry. You see, see the, the success of other people, what other people are able to do, the places that other people are going. We're getting drunk on somebody else's story. So hear me today when I say this. If you're comparing yourself to someone else that's reaping more than you spiritually, I can promise you they're a product of waiting. They've been through that season. They've been through that place. They have been in that place where they were asking the same kind of questions that you are asking. Learn how to celebrate with them. They've been through the fire. You want to know something? If a church is growing down the road faster than us, if a church is experiencing revival, if all these young people are coming to a church, we celebrate with them. We're all on the same team. We're all part of the same thing. But instead, what we do, we swipe through social media. I wonder what they're doing. Eh, it can't be that good. They, they, must, they must have a huge budget. Uh, they must have this or that. Uh, They've just got one of those charismatic speakers. It's not a movement of God. they got somebody up there that's doing all these wonderful things. And just like this sin just like starts to get deep into us as church leaders. I'm confessing that. I'm just being completely honest. I've been there and I've done that. Now, if you're comparing yourself to someone reaping more than you that's part of the flesh, that's out in the world, do not be jealous of their reward. This is their heaven. This is as good as it gets. You're just passing through. You're here for a moment, so do not rejoice. If it seems like people out in society are doing all these things and everything's working out well, this is as close to heaven as they're ever going to be, and this is as close to hell as you're ever going to be. So you need to pay attention to what's going on and what we're paying attention to. You're just passing through. But comparison is an absolute killer, and it's something that we have to pay attention to. And get this, I said that waiting can bring out the worst in us. And there's no question about that, but waiting can also bring out the best in us. It has the ability to bring out the best in us. Waiting discloses the contrast between the temporary and the eternal. See, for a lot of people, it's just the temporary. 
They're thinking about what are all the things that I can accumulate now? As soon as I get my paycheck, as soon as I run into a little bit of money, how can I continue to stockpile my kingdom? That is a temporary viewpoint and a temporary understanding. Eternal investments are different by nature than temporary investments. One thing is certain, investing in the kingdom or outside of the kingdom is an empty investment. What we are called to do through waiting is play the long game. The long game isn't fun. It's important for us to understand that this is not a sprint, but instead this is a marathon. And that's the way that we must view the spiritual life. Verses 9 and 10, because evildoers will be eliminated. Listen, this is not just a mean statement. This is a promise. God stands by everything that God does. But those who hope in the Lord, those who live out that life, those who understand that maybe there are some things that they're waiting for that they will never see or receive until they're in eternity. Hope in the Lord they will possess the land. In just a little while, the wicked won't exist. If you go around looking around their place, they won't be there. This is the eternal versus the temporary. So if you want to read about one of the worst investments in history, in fact, if you ever go online and you look at some of the worst investments in history, you will be hard-pressed to not find Blockbuster on that list. Raise your hand. You know, you, now, you're dating yourself here, but raise your hand if you rented at Blockbuster. All right, a lot of you, good. All right, do you remember, and this is going to be lost on some of the young people, do you remember the frustration of going and trying to find your movie, but there were none there? Where'd you go right after that to try to find it? There, no, Food City. No, no, the return box. You go to the return box, and then you start going, please have Jurassic Park. And it's like all of a sudden they're like, yes, sir, someone just brought, and you feel like you won the golden ticket. It's like the best thing in the world. But yeah, so, so Blockbuster is a good example because Blockbuster raised Food City. I'll not, I'll not forget that one. Blockbuster raised over $18 million in investment funding in the 80s, and it seemed like a sure thing. But here's the thing. It wasn't built for the future. It just didn't have a plan. It wasn't built for the future. Your kingdom that you're trying to build, whenever you get out ahead of God, as so many of us do, listen, if you go through a really serious relationship and you're a follower of Jesus and you break up and it's really hard, I don't know who I'm talking to, stay single. No, no, okay, no, you're like, no, never. All right. Stay single. If it's a job that you're waiting for and you know that it's something that God is calling you toward and you know there is a certain fit for you, sometimes you have to step back and resist when good opportunities come forward. So we become to understand the difference between the temporary and the eternal and what an investment actually looks like. Because you want to know something? Nobody predicted Netflix or Hulu or all of these streaming services. Now, I don't know if any of you remember this, but when you could get the, the Blockbuster, when they started doing their, their DVDs in the mail, that's how Netflix started. Like, they were doing the exact same things. They were sending these DVDs in the mail, and then all of a sudden, streaming? And everybody starts to go crazy about the possibility of that. Nobody saw that come. God's plan, you don't see it coming. But it's coming. And it's perfect, and it's good, and it's better than anything that we could ever do 
on our own. So here's the thing. You've been given the knowledge of the kingdom if you're a follower of Jesus. It is your inheritance. It is available. Even if your, your view of it right now is just a very, very, very small glimpse, it is here for you. And it's worth the investment. And it also produces people who learn how to wait. So what is it today that you're going through? What is it that's really hard? What is it because of, because of your, your, your fear of being alone or, or maybe your financial desperation or uh, whatever may be going on in your life, that prayer that you want to be answered that just, it's like, God, do you even care about me? He is saying, this is a season that you are supposed to trust, you're supposed to enjoy, and you're supposed to commit, and you're supposed to hold on because there are things that I have to show you and to teach you through this experience. So I have a word for some of you today. I know, and I get it, maybe you really, really want to get married, but you are supposed to wait. I know that some of you really want that career, but you're supposed to wait. And some of you really want the answer to that prayer. And I completely empathize. I, I've been there and I'm currently there. But you are supposed to wait. And this is the reason. Often what is produced within you, the metamorpheo, the transformation that we hear in Romans, often what is produced within you through the waiting is greater than what you were actually waiting for. What is produced in you when you say, God, I believe that you are worth the wait. And I understand that if I start to get out ahead, that I could really mess this thing up. Listen, if you go back to the same employer or to the same ex and into that toxic, that toxic relationships, these toxic relationships over and over again, that should tell you something at this point. That you are supposed to wait. Some of you in here, you've been called. There is no question about that. And you're waiting on an opportunity. And God is saying, continue to wait. Because often what is produced within you through the waiting is greater than what you're actually waiting for. What it does, it unlocks the wisdom. So in closing, I just want to share with you guys today how we wait well. Maybe for some of you, this is useful information. You, you understand the dynamics of kingdom investment. And you want to understand what you can do to make sure if you're waiting on something big, you know, that college, that career, the child, the relationship, something that has to do specifically with December, maybe it's a promotion, whatever that might look like. We want to learn to wait well. The first thing you do this is you have to accept and you have to understand that waiting has a purpose. Waiting has a purpose. That's what we've talked about all morning. Waiting has a purpose. One of the biggest pitfalls is that we feel that waiting is a sign that God is not working. We feel that if we're waiting, it must mean that God has not shown us favor. But remember what is produced within you through the waiting is often greater than what you're actually waiting for. What is produced? Faith, trust, patience, perseverance, 
loyalty, wisdom. All of this is happening within you and you don't get to recognize that or see that or understand it until what you are actually waiting for comes around. And then all of a sudden, some of you know this experience, oh, that made a lot of sense. Now I see, you know what God is doing to some of you? For you? He's protecting you. He is protecting you from an avalanche of bad decisions. That's where you are right now. I can think of times that Beth and I, we have just cried out to God and begged for things to happen. And it feels like, well, well, why doesn't God like me? But the reality is that God actually loves you. And that's why he's guarding you from certain things. And then number two, so we accept that waiting has a purpose. But number two, I can't emphasize this enough. Don't run ahead of God. Don't run ahead of God. This step requires the most discipline because this is certain. When you get ahead of God, you take the driver's seat, and then all of a sudden, all of that chaos and that confusion starts. It's horrible. All of a sudden, you put yourself in a situation where because the relationship didn't work again, the shame, the regret, the, the difficulty. Every, and listen, I can tell you that this morning because I am the ultimate king of getting ahead of God. In 2016, when I started pastoring, you guys know my personality. Boom, change this, change that, change this, change that. I had to apologize so much that year. I had to recognize, I mean, you talk about swallowing your pride, the amount of mistakes that I have made getting ahead of God. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. And some of you know that experience as well because you've said, I think this is what God is saying. Or maybe if I take this path, God's just going to jump on my coattails and go along with me. And what you're going to see is so much damage and so much destruction that just doesn't have to happen. In fact, the opposite, the goodness of God happens. So we want to accept that waiting has a purpose. We don't want to run ahead of God. But then number three, we don't want to be envious of someone else's season. We don't want to be envious of someone else's season. Again, don't be getting drunk on somebody else's story. It's great that God is moving in their lives. It's great that, that on their Instagram story that it appears that their relationship and their home and their golden doodle or their, their whatever, it just, just everything looks perfect. I understand what that looks like, okay? But when they put that phone down, usually somebody's getting cussed out. That's how, can we be real about how artificial that world is? Yet we've kind of been trained to just go to it and go to it and go to it for affirmation when this is where your affirmation comes from. And when you learn to use this, I'm going to preach last week's message again. When you learn to use this and let it be a guiding force and you put your phone down, it is amazing. All of a sudden, you get to know the real you. All of a sudden, you get to know who you were, you were made to be. Psalm 46.10 is one of my favorite passages, and I know a lot of you in here really love it, and I'll close with this. Psalm 46.10, the first part is, Be still, and our passage today actually said, Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Now, be still in Hebrew. Do you know what that means? Let go of your grip. 
It means like if you're holding on to a rope and you need to give it slack. It means to relax. It means that whenever you are in this season, you are supposed to recognize, okay, I'm Matt and I'm not God. So even though the news and social media and my relationships with friends and the things that I'm reading are giving some valuable information, you are walking in to destruction if you don't recognize the difference in who God is and who you are. So you can not only learn to wait in the in-between as a difficult moment, but actually as a moment that is some of the most flourishing you will ever experience as a follower of Jesus. So we encourage waiting. We anticipate waiting. Because we understand that what is happening within us is often greater than what we are actually waiting for. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning. You may be in a place today where this season is very, very real. And you just need to be able to come to the altar and release that. And say, God, it's really hard, but I'm not going to get out in front of you. I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. God, my friend that got accepted into such and such college, or my friend that just got married and had the big wedding, uh, my, my friend that, is, that is, has no problem with pregnancy, or the person that I don't feel, and I know some of you have been there, I don't feel they deserve children. And she was able to get pregnant and I can't. I don't know what I'm going to do with maybe some of you even in here this morning, you've been waiting, but you need to come down and celebrate because you're out of that season and now you're able to look backwards at the way God worked. We must learn to wait gracefully, trusting, enjoying, committing, recognizing that our patience is being regulated and God is doing something wonderful through this experience that we then learn to carry into more and more and more seasons of waiting. There are others of you in here and, and, and you have maybe wait. It could be that the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you. You need to accept Jesus. You need to make a decision to follow Him. But you keep waiting for the wrong reasons. And today is the day of salvation for you to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. As we stand in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to worship. I'm going to invite you to come down and, 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 and bring these concerns to Him. If you know in your, in your marriage or in your relationship with a friend or a colleague, you're in a season of waiting that we learn how to wait well. Father, we come to you today and we thank you so much uh, for this season of Advent. We just, we just praise you, Father, and, and we're so thankful that Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins. God, I pray this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit that you give us perspective, that you help us to understand where to place these objects. God, you help us to understand the, the, the gravity and the importance of waiting while also recognizing that there's all this work that you're doing around us that we can't see that's actually improving our character. It's actually making us stronger. It's building stronger, faithful warriors. It's, it's increasing an abundance of our prayer life. So God, I pray that we carry these things to you this morning. And as we leave this place today, 
For those who continue in this season for however long it may last, two or three more days or two or three more years, that God, we learn to walk through it gracefully. We pray these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Believer's Church of Johnson City Podcast. Make sure you join us again next week. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and information about Believer's Church. God bless and have a great day.